What would our world look like if every woman realized her limitless value and recognized the same in every one of God's daughters? What would it look like to have a company of women all fanning the flame of purpose in one another? That's a quote from our podcast guest today, Onika McClellan, in her new book, Born of a Woman. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and we are so excited and honored that you're joining us today for uh, this episode. Welcome to a tribe of uncommon church leaders and church builders who serve a vision bigger than themselves. Today, we're going to be talking to a great friend of Leading Second, Pastor Onika McClellan from Dallas, Texas, on a very important conversation of women in leadership and women in ministry. So excited for this. You know, women's issues are everywhere in culture right now, and it's important for the church to get these conversations right. And I'm also joined by my wife today for the interview, so that fires me up even more. If you are a man listening, this episode is just as much for you, so make sure to keep listening. I believe it's going to help all of us to be better as young leaders navigating these seasons in ministry right now. So welcome to the podcast today. Um, For our first segment here on the podcast today, I wanted to share with you another I Am Leading Second story. This is a segment, of course, we crowdsource every single week from a member of the Leading Second tribe. And today I wanted you to hear what God is doing in the life of another Leading Second leader. So let's check out this story. My name is Shaddy Henry, and I get to serve on the team at Faith Church in Southern California. I love what I do. I love our church. I love my pastor, Pastor Dan Reeve, and I believe in our mission. I lead from the second chair because it allows me to be a part of something bigger than myself. You see, our our culture tells us that you haven't made it until you've reached the front of the line. You haven't succeeded until it's your name and lights. And you're not truly leading if you're following in. All of that couldn't be further from the truth. It's not, it's not about a title. It's not about a position. It's not about perceived success or fame. It's not about whether my name is known or isn't. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. And I want people to know him. I want people to experience his passionate love as I have. I want people to find hope. I want to fill heaven and empty hell. And I want to do all of that as effectively as possible. The Bible says that two are better than one and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. The fact is that our impact is greater. Our reach is farther and our Love is deeper when we put our hands together. I'm, I'm grateful that I am exactly where I am today. 
and that I am under my pastor's vision and leadership. I, I have learned, I have grown, and I've been stretched because of the investment he has made in me. I get to follow a leader who loves people, who leads with big vision and empowers you to be all that God has called you to be. Uh, leading, leading from the second chair means I've been entrusted with a vision that is bigger than myself. Being in this seat has allowed me to expand my capacity and leading from this position has, it means that I can have greater eternal impact. I am Shaddy Henry and I am leading second. If you'd like to share your I am leading second story, right here on the podcast, or if you have a question you'd like to ask and hear us answer, I'd encourage you to reach out to us on leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. And we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to hear your story, hear your question, and potentially feature you on an upcoming episode. Before we get into our episode today, I wanted to share with you, like we did last week, that we have officially launched our online course with Leading Second. We are so excited about this. We've been working on it for a while. This is a free video-based resource that you can use individually or use with a group of people in your church. And we'd love to have you um, as a part of the Leading Second community in this way, a church using Leading Second's resources like our online course. We're also building a network of chapter leaders. Every church that uses our uh, resources will have a chapter leader and we have a an orientation and a call coming up for that. You're going to want to check out our website and Instagram for information on our next chapter leader meeting. I hope that you'll uh, join us and bring this great resource to your leadership development pipeline in your church. It's our honor to serve you in a brand new way here for our second year of Leading Second. Well, without further ado, let's get into our conversation for today. Today, I am excited to bring to you a conversation I recently had with Pastor Onika McClellan. Uh, she and her husband, Earl, of course, are the lead pastors of Shoreline City Church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, they're leading a thriving, growing, multi-site ministry with campuses all over Dallas, as well as in Guatemala. And uh, we love their family. We, we love who they are. We love their integrity and their character. Onika has recently written a book entitled Born of a Woman, and we're going to talk to her a little bit about that today. And you're going to want to check out that book as well uh, for, for your own life and for your own leadership. So uh, here we go today. Without further ado, my conversation with Pastor Onika McClellan. Well, hello, Onika. It is great to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to get to be a part of this today. Absolutely. We love having you. And I am joined by my beautiful bride. Yes. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't miss out on this one. I know. This is a good one. You're interviewing my friend. And I feel so <laughs> special that I get to talk with both of y'all. How yeah. cool is this? I'm actually not entirely sure we've done this even. So we're making this up as we go here. Yeah. I feel so special. I'm excited. <laughs> well, listen, you know, we absolutely love you and Earl and the Shoreline City team, you all are so special to us. We gushed over you last season in our interview with you. And thank you for being back today. And But just we feel so thankful to be family uh, with you all in ministry. Y'all are building something really special there in Dallas. 
Well, we are so thankful to be on this journey with y'all. I remember the many times that you came to be with us at our church, both of you, in all of our seasons of building this church. And you both definitely have your signature in the wet cement of who we are as a church today. That is for sure. I love it. I love it. We It was such an honor for us. Hey, so before we get started on anything life-changing and serious, uh, yeah. let's ask the really life-changing questions today. We, we love to give people an opportunity to kind of look <laughs> behind the scenes in the life of a leader that we talk to. So here are some truly earth-shattering questions for you to get us started today. Um, first of all, what time do you get up in the morning? Are you a, an early person or a night owl? I am a night owl, night owl, and a random fact about me is because I have crazy allergies, I take Zyrtec before I go to bed, and so Zyrtec, I wake up kind of groggy and sleepy, so I'm a slow start person in the morning. I don't get up till probably between 6.45 and 7, but I cannot have a great, meaningful conversation until I've had two cups of coffee. Amen to that. Is, yeah. So is Earl a morning person? or is Oh he my a- gosh, he's such a morning person. He's literally the hills are alive with the sound of music kind of morning person. <laughs> Not even kidding, without coffee. He just opens his eyes and he's just ready for the day. He's that person. That's <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he really okay. is. Okay, so speaking of coffee, number two, what's your coffee order? So I have a couple. So in the morning, my first coffee of the day is just regular coffee, just straight up black organic Starbucks with almond milk and a couple teaspoons of honey. And I start with two cups of that. But then I have what I call coffee o'clock, which is my (laughs) afternoon coffee when my brain is just kind of fading and I need that boost. It's usually between 2.30 and 3.30. And that is when I either have an espresso with the same ingredients, coconut milk or almond milk with honey, or I'll have a Starbucks drink, which is a coconut milk or almond milk latte with two honeys. So that is my coffee story. But I usually don't drink coffee past like four because I want to sleep because I have small children. That would be a good discipline for all of us, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. But I love coffee and ask Earl. He's tried to talk with talk to me about all the things. Like he'll just take out his journal and just want to share all the things. And I'm like, babe, I'm excited, but I need my coffee first. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, yep. num- number three, are you Apple or PC? Apple. For sure. But I'm not very, anyone who knows me well knows I'm not very techie at all. Like I'm the person, I'm like a 50 year old person um, (laughs) on my phone and on my devices. Like people always tell me I look young and seem young, but watch me on my phone or a computer and you will be quick to know that I'm literally like an old person when it comes to devices. (laughs) Like I can't even turn off my flashlight on my iPhone 10. It's really sad. It's the worst because it turns Uh, on at like all weird times. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to ask the next question. What is your favorite thing to do on your days off? I love um, going to movies with Earl. It's our thing. We love going to movies together and we have this little kind of semi rundown theater, not too far from our neighborhood that you can order food while you watch the movie and the, and the seats recline. It's not one of those like fancy ones that are like for special occasion dates. It's more of just a random hole in the wall one, but believe it or not, they have these amazing Brussels sprouts. Mm. So we go there (laughs) and we recline back those seats and we watch a movie with food and it is the best thing. So movies, I love movies with Earl. A movie in Brussels sprouts. My life yeah. has changed now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. So there you have it. Last question. What is something interesting about you that very few people might not know? 
I don't know if I've told your viewing audience this before, listening audience, <laughs> but I do a mean robot dance. So uh, I've not seen you, this. You, yes. Yeah, so it comes out at weddings, receptions, special occasions. Um, if we were all on a trip together and the right song came on, I might break out my robot. But it is my trademark move. It started back when I was in junior high and I was a cheerleader. And everyone was like, you're a sister. You have soul. You have the moves. Show us all the fresh new dances. <laughs> I unfortunately disappointed them. And so to win the crowd and to win my friends over, I just went right into my robot and it's kind of stuck with me. And even now that I do know how to dance, no matter the song or the season, I still rely on my trusty robot. It is my trademark <laughs> dance. Um, yep. I'm going to need to see that at oxygen. I think I will. I will show you. Okay. I will show you. Yeah. Maybe I, in the, maybe in the back. Yeah. Um, and let, yeah. Yes. But yeah. yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you in this season of your ministry. Uh, you recently wrote a book yes. uh, called Born of a Woman. And a huge congratulations to you on that, by the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. So uh, we wanted to talk about that today. And we wanted to also talk about leading as a woman in ministry. And yep. and just, just dive in there. My, my first question for you, though, before we get into all that, is why should a man keep listening right now? Um, oh, definitely, definitely. Because I would say there are truths from any conversation that we can all take away from. Absolutely. And so I would keep your ears leaned in. Number one, you'll win points with any woman in your world <laughs> to be able to say you're a part of a conversation about women in leadership. So then when you're in a meeting, you'll say, you know what? I hear exactly what you're saying. And you can just take it all as something that you made up. You don't even have to attribute it to this podcast. <laughs> well, and I, women's issues, women in culture, that conversation is invading our culture right now. Right. Exactly. And so yep. the church must be a part exactly. of the conversation right now. And we, exactly. we must get it right. And I think to every man listening, I think we need to remember that women's issues matter to all of us. Exactly. That's and exactly so right. So this is a co-ed conversation right now. For sure. For um, sure. Maybe get us started though um, on your book, Born of a Woman. Um, share a little bit about the book and and what made you decide to write it. Awesome. Well, I would say ever since we started our church, which was about seven years ago, I've been on this journey. Um, it all started with just understanding my value, my worth, and then helping the women around me understand their value and worth. And then it just kept building out layer by layer by layer. And so every time I would gather together with the women of our church, I would just impart and share the things that God was teaching me about being a woman in leadership. And before I knew it, I had almost seven years worth of content. And so I decided to put it in book form. And the title came from Galatians 4 that talks about that Jesus was born of a woman. And that whole thought just rocked my world thinking, well, what else could be born of a woman? What seeds of greatness lie on the inside of us? And since we were designed to give birth, not just to children, but also to dreams, to vision, to family, to ministry, all the things, I really went on this whole journey of what is made possible, what is on the inside of us and what are we supposed to give birth to? And so that's what started this whole chapter and journey and actually book at first, it just started off as a message. And then it turned into a book because I feel like so many women and men have seeds on the inside of them that are dormant that haven't come to life yet. But I think once you realize that God wants to breathe life on those seeds that are on the inside of you, the 
possibilities are endless. I mean, what could be born of, born of a woman, but also what could be born of a man in terms of dreams, vision, direction, all the yeah. things. I love it. Um, when you were writing the book, who was the person you had in mind that you were writing to? I mean, in other words, what was your target audience? Who, who were you really aiming at with this book? I think I was um, aiming at women in general um, from all backgrounds, women who are leading in their church, women who are leading in their business, women who are leading even in their neighborhoods. But I also wrote it for men because I, one of the dedications that I did in this book was to my two, two boys because if I feel like they both understand that if they both at a young age understand the value that women bring to the table, it'll even dictate the way that they treat girls on dates as they grow up. It'll dictate the way they become husbands. And so I also dedicate it to the next generation of men as well. I love it. So good. That's powerful. I know you, um, I've loved, I've been to some of your, um, like sisterhood nights. And, um, when my, one of my favorite things you started was the value revolution Yeah, and, um, placing value on women. And that to me just spoke to the core of, it wasn't just a fluffy, you know, let's get the chicks together because right. we have nothing better to do. But like, it was like a calling of an army. And I, I, I love, I loved every minute of it. Um, can you talk to like what the greatest value women bring to leadership in ministry? Yes, for sure. I think that number one, knowing that we have a seat at the table for sure. And then number two, knowing that we have a voice. I'm so grateful to have been a part of many worlds that see the gift and the strength that women bring. And I think, of course, we've heard this before, but the enemy would want to silence women or make them think that they don't have a part or a place. But I feel like we have a new generation of young, young voices that see the value in the force of a man and a woman. And I love running this race with my husband. I love watching y'all run your race together. And it is so powerful to watch men and women compliment each other. Mm. And I just think that it's so important for us to value that and to value what we each bring to the table. And one is not more important than the other. It's not just about the man, but it's also not just about the woman. It's about together being a force. I think my pastor over the years said, like for our own church, that we're not a he house. We're not a she house. We're a them house. I love that. That's so well said. Exactly. Exactly what you just said. Both of us together. Absolutely. I, I love that. And, and you and Earl are um, also amazing examples of, of leading together. I love that. Um, so can you talk, I, I know one of the like um, themes in the book is um, being for one another, not competing yep. against one another. And I think this mm-hmm. is a, a major theme within just women. I think um, social media and, for sure. and all of that has brought even like a new light onto that in the past years. Can you speak to that a little bit? For sure. That's definitely one of my passions is reminding us all to be who God's called us to be. And it's, I feel like it's a game changer. And in some cases, not to be dramatic, but a matter of life or death. I think that um, so much of the... We all, we've always had mental health issues in our world and they're not ever going to go away until we all are in heaven. But I do think that there's an extra layer of heaviness that has come upon our world. And I do think a huge part of it is because of the comparison trap on social media. I feel like families will watch other families journey and then they'll become disappointed or depressed because they don't measure up to what they're seeing on social media. And so because we live in such a curated, okay, let me take 10 shots till I get the right shot, people forget that that was 10 shots later. 
and they take it as, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to, I have a baby in four weeks. I'm supposed to lose all my baby weight. Okay. I have a baby. That means I have to breastfeed. Okay. I have a baby. That means I have to make all my food organic and puree it. But what happens when, sorry, Brandon, but when your milk doesn't come in and you can't (laughs) breastfeed. So then you just, then you feel like you fail as a mom, but you're not failing as a mom if you have to use formula because you can't help it. Your body wasn't producing it, but it turns people actually, it causes depression because you start comparing your journey to someone else's journey. So that's a very long answer to say that I'm praying that as men and women read this book, that they will see that God has a strategic strategic plan and purpose for their life and that their life doesn't have to be measured up against anyone else's life. That for us, it sounds corny, but be the best version of you. That's all you can do because God has a blueprint for our particular path. And if we follow what he has for us, it's better anyways than us trying to dumb our life down to measure up to what we think somebody's winning day is when really it was probably their losing day. They just made it look like it was a winning day. Right. That's good. That's great. What would you say to the young girl or young woman, I don't know, in college or basically at the start of ministry? So the earliest, earliest seasons of ministry has a desire to serve God, build the church and lead as a woman in ministry, like if you could go back all those years, maybe what would you say to yourself, you know, in, in those earliest days of ministry? Yes, that's a great question. I would say my answer um, is the same today as it was then. And my biggest advice would be to stay teachable and to stay hungry, because I think at the beginning, you start off very hungry and very excited to learn from other people other voices, other environment, and you tend to be a sponge at the very beginning. But then once doors start opening, once you get opportunity, once you get put in different places of leadership, sometimes that hunger leaves. And I think that it's a disservice to you and the people that are running with you if you stop being hungry. So my biggest advice would be to keep that same fresh hunger that you had at the very beginning, but to ask God to keep that in you all the way through your journey. Even now, our church is seven years old, but Earl and I have been in ministry for at least 20 years and I'm still hungry. I still love learning. Our, Our church is growing and we have multiple locations and all the things, but I still love sitting with a church planter and saying, tell me how you do guest follow-up. Tell me what you did for awareness. Like I'm still hungry. I'm still scrappy. I still have dirt under my nails. I still invite people to church. I still go to coffees, lunches, and dinner. I still text people. I still write on their Instagram posts. I still, um, if I'm next to someone who's run this race longer than me or just started, I want to glean as much as possible because I don't ever want to stop learning and I don't ever want to not be hungry because what's sad is when you're no longer hungry, it later on, it kind of catches up with you and everyone around you knows it, but you, and that's just a scary place to be. I love that. That's gold. That's gold. So you and Earl have been in ministry together for 20 years, did you say? Yes. That is awesome. That is, that is like a, a marker. Like that's awesome to, to 20 years is not a small feat, um, to be married and in ministry together. (laughs) It's crazy to think about it. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I think, um, being in ministry, working together, living together. Um, and then you guys are, um, you know, speaking at different conferences, you're right. running different campuses. You're, you're not, 
you know, you're just not going home at 5 p.m. and, uh, you know, being home together for the whole night, every night, you know, how do you guys, how do you stay aligned with the vision over your church? Um, you know, how do you, how do you guys keep together on the same path, even though you're, you're, you're busy, you're blowing, you're going. We're really intentional about our calendar and we treat the things that we say yes to and no to it feels almost like we're in surgery or like red cord, yellow cord, like we're putting together like a bomb, you know, or disassembling (laughs) a bomb. So we're kind of intense about our schedule and our calendar, but time and time again, it has paid off um, so much so in things that we've said no to that we've wanted to say yes to, but then a life moment happens and we look at each other like, this is why we weren't supposed to do that. And so all that to say, we're very serious about our calendar and we over communicate with each other and we sit and go over everything, kind of overanalyze it just to make sure, because who wants to have that feeling where you feel like you've overcommitted and overextended? We've all been there. We've all felt those kind of check engine light moments when something that you wouldn't normally respond to, you find yourself responding to it in an unhealthy way. And then you get to that place of like, oh, I'm tired. That's why this this thing that normally wouldn't yeah. take me out literally is making me lose my salvation right now right. and forget that I'm a Christian. And so we um, are really intentional about our calendar. And sometimes we miss it and we feel it for sure because we realize that we are not invincible. We realize that we expire and get tired and can tend to overdo it. And so I say all that to say that even when opportunities come our way, we definitely say more no's than we say yeses. And then also we kind of tag team where, um, we don't both, we don't do a lot of things together. We kind of tag yep. team, like I said, and yep. then we're intentional about the things we do together, but for sure our priority, um, and I'm not just saying this to sound cliche, but really is, of course, goes without saying our relationship with Jesus, our marriage, our kids, our church, and then anything else comes after that. And sometimes it gets all jumbled together, but that's when we have to listen to the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. But at the same time, we can hit timeout and stop, leave if we need to leave early one day because we feel a little bit overextended, then we just listen to that voice on the inside of us. I love it. I love it. I think the last thing I wanted to dive into with you today is something you and I were talking about recently, uh, this idea of how you find yourself coaching leaders recently on really being spirit led leaders, yeah, you know, and not just systemized leaders. It's a time and a place for systems, but, um, you know, th- there, there's something that we bring to leadership when we lead prayerfully yes. when we lead prophetically. I think you even wove that into some of your book at the end mm-hmm. of the chapters, would you just lean into that for a second on, on your heart for people leading in a spirit-led way right now in this season? Yes, I am super passionate about this right now and may it be forever because we are so surrounded with so many resources, um, both Christian and not Christian at our disposal, anything from how to be a better parent to how to build a church, to what to wear, to how to have more energy, to meals delivered to your doorstep to, I mean, (laughs) basically it is just like the most resource generation ever. 
But with that said, if we aren't spirit led with all that God has entrusted us with, then we'll find ourselves hitting our, holding our heads up against a wall and making some dumb decisions. And I think the thing that sets us apart or that will set us apart is his spirit and his presence. But sometimes when you check all the boxes and you've done everything on your project plan or done everything that was a system, but you forget God's presence it lacks something. Have you ever been a part of something that's excellent, but not spirit led and you leave it and you're like, but wait, I was just at a, something that was supposed to have God all over it and it was excellent, but I did not feel his presence. I left and it just felt kind of just like clinging symbols. And so I am everything that we do. I try to call on God to lead us and guide us and not just in Lord, please bless this meeting. May your presence be at that meeting. But what is God saying for this church? What is God saying for this service? What is God saying for this marriage that I'm about to speak into? What is God saying for this message that I'm about to write? What is God saying for each and every moment? And I think that we can build an amazing project plan. But if it's not what we're supposed to do in that moment, then it's just a project plan. But a project plan combined with God's presence, oh my gosh, get ready for revival. And I think we're just doing the planning, but not the prophetic part of speaking to those dry bones. Because just like in Ezekiel, it talks about all the dry bones, but it wasn't until the spirit got on those bones that they became an army. And I just want to make sure that as leaders, that we aren't just a bunch of dry bones and so proud of all of our bones, but the spirit is missing because then we don't become the army that our world right now so desperately needs. That's right. Extremely well said. And thank you for bringing that to the table. I believe we're all going to be better for it. Um, We love you. We're so thankful for you. Thankful most of all to have you in our lives. So thanks for being family to oh us. Oh my goodness. And to I love second. y'all so much. Your whole family means so much to us. Tell everyone where they can order your book right now. Yes. We have a website called bornofawomanbook.com. And I'm just going to conclude with one question, rapid yeah. fire style to close this out. Why does Onika love the local church? Oh my goodness. I love the local church because of a phrase that many of us heard, which is those that are planted shall flourish. My favorite part is seeing someone start their journey and God allowing me to see what the potential that's on the inside of them. And then being a part of calling out that potential, then seeing that person run their race and run in their potential. Literally it wakes me up in the morning. It's the thing that when I get discouraged or sad or overwhelmed, but then I literally will look at the people on our team or look at our serve team and our volunteers. And I'm so inspired by the fire that's lit and ignited on the inside of them. So one of my favorite things about the local church is watching God remind people that they have a huge part to play in telling this amazing epic love story that he has for his sons and daughters. It is just, ah, I'm just, I love it. It's my favorite thing. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Anika. You are a blessing and praying your book helps um, people far and wide. Um, I know it is. And you're truly a gift to leaders everywhere. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation today with Anika McClellan. I want to again remind you to go out and check out her book, Born of a Woman. I believe it'll help you. I believe it'll speak life into you and fuel you. Her, her perspective is so unique and so necessary. Uh, I believe it'll really Uh, speak something into you right now as a young leader in ministry. If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. That just simply means hitting 
the subscribe button or sharing this with your team, sharing this with someone who doesn't know about it yet. In fact, we've even heard of teams going through the podcast together and we we love that. And so if, if you would consider doing that, um, we just count it an honor to be a voice into your world and into the world of your team. So leading second, we love you. So thankful we get to do life and ministry together. I'm praying for you today. Even if I don't know you, I'm bringing you before the Lord. We're believing for God to do something really significant, really special right now in your life and in your leadership as you selflessly serve your pastor and your church in something bigger than yourself. So until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.